Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Pretty dull week I had, I must say. Mine was a bit dull, too. Is the, the, it rained on Sunday, so everything was slow. Rained on Saturday. Did it rain? Yeah. It didn't rain where I was. Oh, I got a lot of honeydew things done because everybody was working or downtown (laughs) and there is some rain. So, yeah, yeah, I got some stuff done. I actually, yeah, this last weekend, I mean, worked and whatnot, but got a lot of honeydew things done. And, uh, uh, you know, between all the the paddling we do and Tuesday, the 26th, Mm -hmm. was National Canoe Day. Yes, yes, it was. So we put out a big little happy... Happy a Canoe Day, Happy. National Canoe Day. Happy National Canoe Day. <laughs> it's a new word. I can make them up as I go along. <laughs> I own this podcast, so I can do what I want. <laughs> and if people don't like it, tough. <laughs> and Too I can late. Make they already fun heard of it. You all I want. There <laughs> you go. There you go. I give as good as I get, buddy. Uh, yeah. No. Nothing. Uh, nothing really happened this week. Just life. Yeah. Awesome. And the stuff that I previously couldn't talk to you about, I still can't talk about. Excellent. From my last episode. Awesome. <laughs> I finished the book. Great art. <laughs> ah, perfect. I finished it. And I will tell you something. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you what I finished? Oh, no. Yeah, because I got upstairs to get back yeah. to you. The end, Remember I said I had like 70 pages left? I'm yeah. thinking, well, that can't be because I'm almost done mm-hmm. the story, right? They actually, the, art, the artist, the authors actually spend like 50 pages telling you how they came across all their information to write the book oh well that would be interesting it was that would uh, yeah be really I, I was reading that and i'm just like well that's pretty huh pretty cool so that's a, an extra little bonus in the book because the part about often when you read a decent novel or somebody who does a lot of research into whatever they're they wrote they kind of gloss over the fact that they spent two years researching whatever novel mm-hmm. or whatever paper or whatever right so to all the work and all the effort into researching the history of these two events, these two trips in Labrador, is uh, that would be a fascinating story just to know how they came across and where they dug up this information. Well, I'm not going to tell you where they got it all from. <laughs> I'm going to make you read the book. And You're just going to go read the last few pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a good book, though. I think you should uh, definitely read it. Uh, other than that, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Show's over. It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> uh, we, when I go camping, backcountry camping, um, I'm just giving you a little segue in how our mm-hmm. next topic okay. came to be. Yes. I get looked at when I'm camping backcountry. Yeah. I have two ways to cook. Mm-hmm. Over wood fire. Yeah. Open fire. Yeah. Just, yeah. Or my gas stove. And mm-hmm. it all depends on what I'm doing. You know, I've got yeah. the little MSR drag, uh, not uh, whisper light. Yeah. Yeah, because the dragonfly sounds like a race car. And uh, so that's how I do it. Yeah. Right? It works. Yeah. I like the fire. You cook over the fire, you get the taste. And, and that's you know when what? fire bands suck. That's when fire bands suck, yes. Uh, like on the last trip there, my wife and I took, we uh, did the bacon-wrapped beef tenderloins with uh, fried peppers and mushrooms mm, and, mm, mm. and a nice rosé blush wine. <laughs> uh, four, four liters of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four liters equal to five bottles. Did I tell you that? <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> That's a stat I'm going to remember forever as a non-wine drinker. And this evening is yes. Johnny Walker Black Label. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Father's Day bottle. Yes. Pays to be a father some days. Mm. That's smooth. That's nice. 
yeah, I didn't have to pay for it, so it's even nicer. Yeah, my uh, my family and my nieces and my sister-in-law all got together last weekend and did a preemptive birthday thing for me. When's your birthday? Nice. It's uh, tomorrow. Is it really? Happy birthday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a big one, too. You're big 50? Yes. Really? I didn't think you were 50 before me. Yeah, by a couple wow. months. You're, You're October old. 6th, 26th, 10th. 10, 10. 10, 10, 6, 8. 10, 10, 6, 8. That's when Mr. Sub came about, 1968. Um, June 29th, 68. Mr. Sub came out in 68. Yeah, Mr. Submarine hmm. came out in 1968. So. I, I've started compiling this list, so somewhere's, somewhere's along the line next week or whatever, I, I've, if I ever finish my list, it's all the events that happened in my birth year. And My I, parents' anniversary is the 9th of October, and Thanksgiving... Of 68? Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it's starting to come together now. <laughs> yeah, my parents' anniversary is the 9th. My birthday is the 10th. And Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, is one of those days as well, usually. So, so. and this thus the big trip up north. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I always do my Thanksgiving trip. Yes. Yeah. Right, because I get that extra holiday your, day your in solo, there. D- yeah. yeah, your solo weekend trips. Yes, sir. So anyway, back to cooking and camping and yes. all that. So those are the two ways I like to okay. to cook, right? When I am front country car camping, mm-hmm. so like at a campground, we pull the trailer in, we sit down, and we've got the stove inside, mm-hmm. or we sometimes I'll you know get out the little gas stove just to boil water or something yeah. for out at the picnic table. But I still like to cook over the fire, mm-hmm. and the amount of people that walk through the campground watching you cook over the fire, mm-hmm. they give you it's like. What, what is are you that doing? dude doing? Yeah, just go in your trailer and make food. Like, <laughs> you're not homeless, buddy. Like, <laughs> you got a trailer right there. Propane and everything. You know? Look at that caveman oh, yeah, over there. That guy. What's he doing? But I still prefer doing that because, you know, you can you can get the, do the pizzas and the steaks okay, and yeah. the burgers and all that stuff. Yeah, right? you're like, you have an Outback oven and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. bought them together. At yep, the... yep. And we actually made uh, the Bannock there when we were uh, interior there a couple weekends ago. Um, so that's why I sort of thinking like, what is the benefits of certain types of cooking, especially, and I'm gearing it more towards the back country mm-hmm. when we're on a canoe trip or something like that. You have realistically wood or fuel, yeah, uh, like a liquid fuel, mm-hmm. right? You got your wood fire yes. in a made big round ring of rocks sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, another type of wood fire, which same but different, the twig stoves, which yep. seem to be big over the last few years, right? They're gaining in popularity. They really definitely. are. They really are. And then you've got your liquid fuel stoves, like say the pump up, the naphtha stove and, and that sort of stuff. Like the and little... St- I don't know. Well, what's your opinion? My opinion is the white fuel, liquid mm-hmm. fuel stoves, I feel are the most reliable for multi-temperature, if you're going to be yeah. in the cold or whatever. Because like, like the butane stuff, a couple of my well, buddies the, yeah. used to use the butane. But in cold temperatures, you, it separates. You have butane and propane. And, and uh, you end up only burning the propane because the butane just is, or is it the other way around? One of them separates out. So you get a really low flame. 
Yeah, I know my propane, when I was used to bring the, I mean, when it first started, everything was propane tanks, yeah. the little green tanks, right? Yeah. And then whenever it got cold, like that would start to frost and everything exactly. on the outsides. And, so you end up yeah, having to put the fuel bottle in your armpit or yeah. if, if you were whatever, you got to warm it back up. So yeah, it just actually. take it off and put it over the flame to warm it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've moved all to the uh, the white gas stuff myself. Um uh, yeah, I mean, when it gets cold, then you just keep pumping it up and yeah, that just keeps the flame going. Yeah, you're and, just liquid fuel. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. reliable. And I think really the only risk is when you're down to like minus 50 or something, but then nothing works except wood fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they got these stoves now that are, you know, exorbitantly priced and you can go anywhere in the world and run any type. I mean, you got to take some gas from your car. Exactly. You, kerosene, yeah, white you burn, gas. Exactly. You know, yeah. whatever. It burns into those things. Yeah, I don't need one of those. Yeah. I'm not that... You know, I'm not at yeah, that level where I'm going out doing that stuff. We're not in the zombie apocalypse just yet, yet. Yet, yet. I got money saved up to buy one just in case, but, you know, <laughs> at that point, I might just walk in and steal yeah. it because, you know, who's going to yeah. be there? So, wood fires. Um, there's pros and cons to everything. Wood fires consume wood. Do they? They do. <laughs> and this is, ta- yeah, you know, like uh, the, yes, the big yes. one in the Ring of Rocks, yes. right? Reduce biomass in an area that's needed to support the habitat. Exactly, and and that's where the biomass goes back into the ground, fertilizer for the future trees bugs and grass and, and bugs. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Could cause a wildfire. When they build up, yeah, mm-hmm. when you have a lot of wood and the undergrowth. And, you know, when you're starting your fire there, sparks get out, mm-hmm. whatever goes down into the roots and, you know, burns yeah. along. Cause a, that type of wood fire could cause one. Takes longer to cook your food. As yes, well, you don't, right? uh, depending on the wood you use, but yeah, basically it's just not as mm-hmm. hot or, is, the heat's not directed. Yes. It's, it just uh, radiates, so. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about building up that bed of coals and everything mm, like that yeah. and, you know, trying to get st- stuff down close yep. enough that you got that right, right uh, distance to cook things properly, but yeah, it takes longer. Pots, pans, and this is a big one for you. This is the primarily. They get blackened and yeah. dirty and. This is the main reason why I don't cook over a natural fire often mm-hmm. because, and, and it's not that, it, it's kind of combination. It's not so much that I don't want my pots turning black. It's when I pack the pots away, I don't want everything turning yeah. black. So it, it's like, it's a, I, I rarely watch the outside of my pots, right? Just watch the inside and yeah. leave the outside with white gas. It never blackens or gets dirty or, eh. Yeah. Leave scars on the ground, killing patches of organic soil. Yes. Which now, isn't so much of a concern if you have a fire pit, but if you yeah. are in Crown Land or something, Crown Land where you, where you don't have fire pits and, and stuff like that, so you are creating your own fire pit. You're yep. making sure that the patch of ground you're using it doesn't have too many organics underneath that could, you know, catch roots of flame and or moss that could smolder for days type thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so there's that little yeah little part as well. The benefits cost virtually no money. Yeah, exactly. You're just, you just know. Now this is backcountry, not yes. car camping. So you're just car picking, camping. Yeah, yeah. Seven dollars a but bag yeah, of so, bag so of waterwood. Backcountry when crown land when there's no defined campsites, you're you're just picking up uh, chaff that's on the ground and you're cooking with it. So. Right. Requires no equipment except a match or lighter. Yes. Or Which, a stick. stick. That, what are the zip zips you do with the cord and uh, friction fire? Oh, friction fire. Yeah, or spark and yeah, or flint, flint and steel. Right. Yeah. Has nearly no impact outside the actual fire site. You hope. You hope. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you go back to the park, could cause a wildfire. Yes. Sparks. And, but realistically, if you got a little 
little ring of wood, uh, yeah. uh, stones. Realistically, nothing outside yes. that ring should be impacted by exactly. your fire. And I've often, like when I, not often, at times when I've uh, done some serious backcountry camping where I'm off in the middle of nowhere, like Strathcona Park, Vancouver Island, we went through the mountains. Mm-hmm. A couple of times we just had big, we found some slabs of rock that we propped up on three other rocks and we had a fire above ground just because it was so dry where we were. Yeah. So we had a fire on top of a flat rock. Well, you got to be careful with stuff like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. to make wood fire, you need a match or lighter. The production of this match consumed some resources elsewhere in the world. It was then shipped to the store, bought it, and you can't buy just one. You got to buy a box. So the box has stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, is, this is what I found. Like people are talking about everything that goes into yes. outside of just the fire part into, you know, um, but you have all the equipment to start hundreds of fires. Yes. If it's a lighter, there's the plastic and everything that goes into that. Yeah. It's a, but yeah. you can start hundreds of fires yeah. or cigarettes or whatever. Uh, wood twigs, sticks, small branches. They're all renewable. They're produced by a completely natural process, so you don't need to carry them in. Mm-hmm. So those are the pros and cons of a campfire yeah. type wood fire. Twig stoves. Okay. Consumes a smaller amount of wood than a large campfire. Reduces biomass in the area at a smaller scale. Yes. And it still gets your pots and pans dirty. <laughs> but not as bad. But depending. Not- well, it depends on the twig stove. Like uh, Mike Burns, he, he has oh, yeah, a that twig, little stove, twig stove, yeah. and it he, he, it's a battery pack, and it blows air, yeah. and it burns so efficiently that there's practically no blackening of his pots. Yeah, because it just it feeds so much oxygen to the wood that it, it's a really clean, clean burn, burn, all practically zero smoke. Right. So it's but it's if you a, don't have that, if you don't have that, if you just have a normal twig stove or or whatever, if you're just using like a you know some kind of can or whatever to throw twigs hobo into, stove or whatever, hobo yeah. stove exactly, then there's going to be some smoldering, some smoke, and mm-hmm. but it, it, what you're doing is you're using you're using twigs and stuff that's normally unused that stays on the ground. That you're so you're using a, a resource that is practically you know it has no effect on the local environment. Yeah. The stove, twig stove, you need a match or a lighter. Again, the production elsewhere in the world, right? You need wood twig sticks, small ones. So they're, like I say, they're completely uh, natural process. So you don't need to carry them in. Mm -hmm. And, but the twig stove itself is made of metal and costs money. Yes. So that's the one (coughs) con against a regular fire. Mm-hmm. versus the twig stove mm-hmm. is you've got yeah. to buy that twig stove. Yeah. And they're not all that cheap either. Yeah. It depends on like, there's uh the one that we looked at that we didn't buy. It was at outdoor equipment. Yeah. I think it was like a hundred bucks and yeah, then the was, extra little pieces that you'd want. It was shockingly expensive. It's like, like 175 bucks at the end of the day or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So you're not really any further ahead by cost savings. No. And no. some of them were kind of heavy too. Well, and that's exactly, you know, you got that metal yeah. pack. I mean, yeah, they, they fold down into pieces and small, mm-hmm. but you're still, now you got to carry that metal <laughs> weight yeah, around, exactly. right? Yeah. Liquid fuel stoves do not impact habitat. They leave biomass as it is. It cooks quickly and cleanly. Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. You need a match or lighter, which is the same. Um... Some of them have spark built-in sparkers, depending on some, yeah, some, some of the yeah. new modern ones. But yeah, basically, you're using a match or lighter. 
Stove is metal and plastic. Piece of equipment costs significant amount of money that should last for many years. Yeah. My stove, and it was funny because uh, it was like one of those uh, serendipity things. When me and my wife first met, we uh, went camping, and lo and behold, we both had, and it was an unusual stove. It was a separate bottle with the, it was like a Coleman Peak one. Mm-hmm. with a separate bottle, fuel bottle that clicked into the stove. We both had the exact same stove. Oh, and it was love in the air. <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> uh, liquid fuel stoves. The fuel is a fossil fuel, a non-renewable resource. That's a big... At yeah. least the trees, you burn the twigs and that, and, you know, the trees are... You're not killing the entire tree. It's yeah, going to grow more. And, and the carbon dioxide that you emit is going to be sucked mm-hmm. back up by the trees and makes sugar and feeds it. And But the fuel in these stoves is non-renewable. Correct. Production and shipping of this fuel has a significant impact elsewhere in the world and costs money. Correct. The fuel container, a refillable fuel bottle. So you bring one or two of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I often bring Again, two. Again, metal costs money yeah. plus being made elsewhere in the world yeah. that sort of stuff and it leaks onto your jerky and no, you can't not. eat your jerky and <laughs> i had that happen one time i try to keep my food and my fuel stuff like that separate <laughs> same with my clothes well, i, I do f- now <laughs> i don't want to fuel spill on me undies <laughs> so a backpacking stove is an excellent way to prevent forest uh to prevent fire impacts in the local wilderness uh where you're exploring and they're easier, faster, and cleaner than wood fire. But you have to carry the fuel, and you have to carry the fuel bottle. Yes. And you have to carry the stove. So that's all bulk and weight. But if you're trying to hide from people, you have no smoke emitting. So Exactly. <laughs> so, so if you're on the run. I think all of them... I, I don't think you could really classify one as being better than the other. I think you can find... Um, they all have their separate uses. Yeah. I mean, I like a wood fire. Yes. But you're burning wood. Yeah. But, exactly, yeah. And and it's slow. Mm-hmm. I like the liquid fuel because it's fast. Yes. You know, when I need to boil water, just boom, put it on and it boils away. Mm-hmm. But it's heavy. You got to carry it. And it's non-renewable yeah. resource, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's pros and cons for each. So, when it comes to actual cooking, wood fires, what do you like to cook on a wood fire? When I do cook on a wood fire, I like, uh, I'm talking like bannock or potatoes, onions, and butter and wrapped in tin foil or fish wrapped in tin foil. Or if I'm cooking like vegetables or whatever, if I'm going to throw it in tin foil and throw it on coals, it's that, stuff like that. I'll, I'll it's use... from the old Boy Scout days, eh? Is it? Yeah, we used to put the the potatoes and stuff, salt and pepper, butter oh. into some tin foil, wrap it up, throw it in right on the coals. Yeah, I was never yeah. a Boy Scout. I never did any Weren't of those you? things. No, no. It shows. I, go- <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the country, though. Yeah, yeah. So wood fire. I like cooking meats on the over the fire. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Baked goods in my reflector oven. Yep. So yeah, it's cinnamon mm-hmm. rolls or mm-hmm. cake or cookies or bannock that exactly, sort of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, which I've learned in your reflector oven. You know what the key ingredient in baking is? What? Patience. Oh, <laughs> yes. Patience. Yes. Because I look at that, yeah. I, well, that cookie looks done. 
Yeah. yeah, it's not done. Just leave it. Just leave it, you idiot. Leave it. Stop it. Don't touch it. Stop touching it. Damn it. <laughs> All right, gooey cookie. Yay, me. <laughs> In 50 pieces. Yes. <laughs> Things that need to simmer for a long time on cool or rainy days. So if you're making a pot of chili, you hang it over. Well, I mean, sometimes if I'm just base camping, I got the big tripod thing that okay, I'll bring yep. in. Okay, cast iron tripod, yeah. yeah. And you just hang a pot. Yeah. Or, you know, if you if, if it's cold or you're, you're under the tarp or whatever, cold, mm-hmm. rainy, whatever, you just keep water constantly hot yeah. hanging over the fire yeah. in a pot. Yeah. So, so then you can just scoop some access. out and, yeah. you know, make a coffee or whatever you want. Pizza. I've never made... I get the tinfoil. I put the tinfoil over top. Like, I, I bring one of those portable um, racks. Yep. Put that over the flames, like over the, the coals. Mm-hmm. I put tinfoil on that. Okay. Put the pizza on that. I get another sheet of tinfoil and like tent it. Oh, okay. But it's got to be wider than the so pizza the and the thing. So the heat hits it inside. and comes around the top ah. sort of thing, right? So it ah. holds in the heat. It so the, the, heat. the heat circulates around Underneath the entire the pizza. Yeah. And the bottom one, the, the tinfoil heats up, but it doesn't allow it to burn. It to burn. Yeah. And then you end up with this nice fire Brilliant. cooked. Yeah, I know, eh? I've never cooked pizza because it was just seems like a hassle. I've done me. it once and after that, yeah, we've done it I don't know how many <laughs> times. It is so good. And then the fish in the foil. Yeah. You know, if you're out fishing, you catch a nice trout, yep. you know, head it, gut it, clean it out. Yeah. Put some lemon, some onion, salt yep. and pepper in there, wrap it in the tin foil, throw and it just in. throw it in the fire. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It comes out good. Yeah. Juicy, yummy. Yeah. Throw some rice. That's primarily, I, I, I can think of only once or twice where I've fried up a fish in a frying pan. But mostly it's always, always been wrapped into a foil. Mm-hmm. And I prefer it that way because it kind of steams itself. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've brought in the oil and, um, batter before. Yep. So if we're yeah. doing a whole and, bunch of yeah. like walleye or something like that, right. Mm-hmm. You cut, just batter it up and just for a change. Right. Yeah. Twig stove, meat and one pot meals. Hmm. Cause really, I mean, you got this little. You know, and you're constantly having to feed twigs into it. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah, you throw a steak mm-hmm. on it or something like that, or, what, or, you know, a couple of pieces of chicken yeah. or something, and you don't have a ton of room to be doing that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Uh, and a one-pot meal. Yeah, you just get it hot enough to throw a pot on there, stir it, reheat, yeah. and, you know, like a can of ravioli yeah. or something like that, or soup or, yeah, and you know. like for, for twig stuff, it takes a lot of attention. You can't just let it simmer. It's, yeah, it just doesn't. no such thing. As it doesn't. Yeah. Liquid fuel stove. Main thing I honestly do on there is boil water. Yeah, yeah. You know, your instant oatmeal, your coffee, yeah. that sort of stuff, Lipton right? Sidekicks Water or, for doing yeah. dishes, yeah. that sort of stuff. One pot meals again. Yeah, the Lipton yeah. Sidekicks or, you know, those microwavable minute rice things? Okay. You yeah. see the commercial, the girl comes down the stairs, yeah. you know, opens up the packet, eats right out of the packet. Yes. I'll get those. Oh, yeah? And I pour it in with a little bit of water mm-hmm. just so it doesn't stick and burn. Yeah. And I just heat it up in a pot mm-hmm. over that stove. And it's like, perfect. So I went... You pull your chicken or whatever off the, the fire yeah. and you just dump one of those on the side of your plate and there you go. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Fast, easy. Simple, easy. Frying. I use my, my liquid fuel stove. Yes. You know, like getting the veggies and, yeah. and all that stuff just fried up and mm-hmm. went up pancakes or... Exactly. Yeah, I've, you, I've tried doing eggs and pancakes and all that over the fire. It's, and it's it, too it's, quirky. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just hit or miss. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden you get like a really gooey 
pancake and the next one's stuck it's and burnt. burnt to, yeah. <laughs> Frisbee or pancake soup, your choice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, quick meals, like yeah. a shore lunch. Yeah. Because it cools, now my stove cools down really quick. So mm-hmm. if I cook something and then I eat it, yeah. by the time I'm done eating, like it's, I can put my hand right on that yeah. stove and yeah. pack She's it done. right away and yeah. boom, and, we, and off you go. Yeah. So for shore lunches, the liquid fuel stove is like perfect. And that's what I was talking about. Fire and cooking in the backcountry. <laughs> Anything that? I the, yeah, there's a few things like uh, like I I was saying earlier. I, I tend as regards of uh, wood fires, I tend not to cook over wood fire because I don't like the pots getting black and yeah. getting dirt all over everything. They have to wash the outside of the pot, and I'm kind of weird anal about it like that way, right? And if I ever, I've seen I don't know who it was, but they had a canvas stuff sack. Like an old antique kind of canvas stuff sack for their pot. And I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. If I could pack everything away in the canvas, and uh, just the inside of the canvas gets dirty. Yeah, exactly. So, if I ever find something like that, because I don't, I don't. You know, there's a, a couple of my pots sets that just has this, like a nylon fabric liner, which is yeah, yeah. I don't want to use that, right? Yeah. And uh, so, but the other thing, like, and when we talked about this, we've tested it on your back deck is uh, my uh, Enki twig stove. Oh, the big Enki. It looks like a nuclear reactor. It does. It looks like a cooling tower in a U.S. reactor. It, uh, I was excited when I first got it and I still, I use the battery pack all the time and the battery pack lasts forever. But uh, the thing is, is uh, with the Enki wood stove, it's, it works best as a pellet stove and I bought I bought a 50-pound bag of pellets for it. <laughs> it sits in my garage, and but so occasionally I'll use it, and uh, it uh, it's neat because it, it provides a lot of heat. It burns for a, a fairly long time, uh, over a half hour on the pellets, but you can't stoke it as you go. Right. Yeah, ha- it burns out. You have to empty out the chaff, put new pellets in, relight it. So it, it's finicky. It's a pain in the butt. And uh, it's uh, it's one of my purchase my Kickstarter purchase regrets. <laughs> <laughs> you bought that? That was one of the first Kickstarters that you bought when we started yes. the show. Yeah, it was a long. That was way a long back. time ago. That was the uh, spring of the first year we did yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. This is probably about 10, 11 episodes in, sort of something thing. like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I long was ago. So excited about I know, that and, stove. And you brought it. In, I'm thinking, dude, it's like a nuclear tower. <laughs> <laughs> It's neat. It's nice. It it uh, with a little battery pack blows the air and it uh, burns very cleanly. And you can I've I've used it with twigs. I've used it with the pellets. Pellets work best, but then you're carrying a bag of pellets camping. Yeah. So it's one of those things that it, I use the battery pack all the time as a backup battery source, like uh, for charging phone and stuff. Oh but yeah. I don't think I'll ever really use the uh, the Yankee stove. Unless you take it to like a campground or something. Yes, I th- that might be. I might just do that. I might just start carrying it in the rv just to try it out type yeah. thing right yeah you're sitting outside yeah. and you don't want to heat up the mm-hmm. inside and throw that out there yeah. with a pot of water or something yeah. on it and just uh, go from there right yeah just one closing thing though in regards to stoves yeah. one thing you didn't cover and i've never tried one but i've always wanted to try one and they're very popular in quote-unquote third world countries type thing right it's solar ovens or solar stoves so you can get them as a frying pan. You can get them as an oven. There's, I've seen a, probably about five or six different versions. Some of them are very high end. Some of them are low end. Some are very basic. Some are just uh, uh, a shiny 
parabola of steel that or metal uh, like a upside down umbrella before. that you can it focuses the heat onto a frying pan and yeah. and it's you get some crazy heat out of it but you are counting on sunlight yes but in in uh, and they're they're popular in like uh africa sudan and stuff like that just because it's it's a source low of low rain because areas in, exactly so in those areas they tend to use uh, uh like dried up cow poo right yeah. To, to cook with because it, it's it's fibrous it burns and whatever once it's nice and dry so these solar stoves these solar ovens are are really handy and there's a couple companies that are developing them for these areas they're making them very cheaply to donate to villages and stuff so it's uh they're interesting it's too bad that they tend to be so expensive because i want to try one and heavy i'm sure so there's a few of them that i've seen that are fold up real like the one is uh it's just a it folds up into a like a triangle, but it basically opens up, looks like a you put it on the ground like an upside down umbrella, and you put metal rods across the upside down umbrella. Right. And your pan sits on top of those metal rods, and uh, so all of the sun reflects right into the frying pan, and mm-hmm. you just have to tip it or tilt it to match up with wherever the, Where sun's, the sun's coming. Sun's going. And That's it, cool. I, I sort saw of like a satellite dish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it it looked like it worked pretty good, but uh, like like I say, you. You gotta have sun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a key ingredient. You don't but have sun, you ain't cooking, son. <laughs> but when it comes to you know, you talked about resource and 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 what it takes and what you're taking from the environment. It's you just have this. Solar. Yeah, you're just using the power of the sun. Yeah, but I don't think you'll be able to use it for much more than a billion years. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I hear that sun's going out. Yeah, <laughs> red dwarf. <laughs> yeah, somebody's yeah. putting that baby out. And you're not gonna be able to cook a late night snack. No, <laughs> I don't believe you on that one. Unless you get a, a whole bunch of really powerful uh, uh, LED lights or something. Yeah. So everybody focus. I want, I want a s'more. <laughs> we, we need 20,000 candle power of lights here. <laughs> I want a hot toddy. Who wants to help? <laughs> and point. Yeah. And, and then, of course, there's the tried and true method of uh, using uh, Superman's laser eyes to uh, heat your food. No, I prefer the uh, lightsaber method. Oh yes, yeah, cut my cut my bread and it toasts at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think like I say, I, I don't think I'll ever go the route of the twig stove, uh, the liquid stove. I take and I prefer to cook over the wood fire. Yeah, for yeah. most of my food. Anyway, let's take a quick break here, and we come back. We have got update number four from the Yukon Journey. Beauty. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. 
Welcome back. So once again, we're going to uh, chat with our buddy, John Van Berger, who's up on the Yukon River doing the Yukon Journey uh, charitable expedition for first responders. You can find them at yukonjourney.org. There's a ton of information about the trip, how to donate uh, to, to them to uh, help first responders in North America, uh, Canada and the U.S., and uh, you can actually track them where they are, see how they're doing and everything along the way. So uh, we got John on. We're trying something new. We're uh, used to do the phone. But we're actually trying, uh, what is it, the Facebook Messenger yeah. phone call. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're trying it that way, something new, and we'll see how it works out. So John, welcome back for week number four of the Yukon Journey update. How are things going? Uh, things are going well. Uh, it, you know, when you say week four, it's like, really? Is it? Update <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> <Abdi>, number four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it just seems, you know, you, I guess we haven't hit that real river time, you know, where it's just kind of because we're trying to get people in and out on the river now with our segment paddlers. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. But some of the days, you know, some of the days starting to blend together, you know, and it's that, I don't know the zen of paddling or something you know it's been nine um, years yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> i forgot what my wife looks like <laughs> am i still married <laughs> what was her name <laughs> yeah well after, after the things you guys have said but you know <laughs> hey we say nothing but the best I'm stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so last week you no, were in it's, it's, carmax uh, right we were in CarMax. You yep. were in CarMax um, last we week. We picked up uh, Dan, uh, Dan Aubrey, our segment paddler. Okay. And uh, Dan came on, and he's great. He's been a lot of fun. He's actually flying out tomorrow. Uh, we are sorry to see him go. Uh, he's a good guy. He's uh, adds a lot of humor uh, to the team. And um, but he's going home. He's you know what? He's excited. He he kind of came over here with sort of you know expectations of Canada that are you know the sort of mythical things um, he, you know like it's still snowing up here right now kind of thing right and um, you know and he's seen he wanted to see bear he's seen uh, brown and black bear uh, um, he was able to photograph some of them um, photograph a sow with a, a black bear sow and cub oh that's um, cool lots of moose and calf you know so uh, eagles he's seen all of that and um you know, he's uh, uh, he's had a great time, and he, yeah, we've really had a good time having him here. He's he's going home with that National Geographic uh, image in his brain, thinking it's all real. <laughs> you know, like that's right. The stuff that's we right. see on TV, Although right? I gotta, his 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 uh, first uh, encounter with the moose, though, he was less than impressed. I have to tell you, it was a smallish moose. Oh, and he he kind of looks at it. <laughs> And he's like, I came 4,000 miles for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he just, <laughs> and uh, I said, no, they, they get bigger. They really do. And he's like, you know what? A black bear could juggle a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> so. But he enjoyed um, paddling, eh? Yeah. It, uh, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, you know, it's just one of those things where you've got the river, you've got the scenery, you've got the wildlife and you know he's he's loved it yeah he's Good. loved it uh so you're in dawson now uh i am in dawson i love this place 
So that, that was 415 kilometers, 260 miles by river, I do believe. In one week. In one week. Yeah. So yeah. that's some yeah. good travel. Um, the river's the river's running fast. I mean, you know, you get out there and you can, you know, you can just get the miles under. There's spots, I'd say probably averaging about four and a half miles an hour where that's you're cool. just floating. And then there's, there's places where it gets up to 10 miles an hour. So, you know, you're out there, you can do a little bit of paddling and, and you can knock off, you know, anywhere from 35 to 50 miles a day easily. Cool. Huh. Now, when we talked about Lake LaBarge, yeah. uh, you had the big sails up, you were saying. And um, mm, National yeah. Canoe Week, uh, Canoe Day this week was uh, Tuesday. And of course, I had people all sending me little notes oh, okay. and whatnot. And somebody actually sent me a picture of one of these round sails. So I had to give them a little, well, mm -hmm. let me tell you a story <laughs> <laughs> about these fellas I know up in the Yukon right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they're like, so I take it you're not going to buy one? And I'm like, oh, I'll probably buy one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You know. Yeah, you know, they, they're great. We haven't used them since then because, you know, a lot of the river kind of twists and turn here. Yeah. Um, but we are hanging on to them, you know, for out later in the event that we, you know, we get tailwind rather than, you know, a lot of, a lot of wind in the face as we get toward the bearing, which is <laughs> yeah. supposed to be what it is. Yeah. So what's <laughs> the, the weather been heard, like? What, weather here has been actually really nice. It's been um, kind of hot. It's uh, it's warm today. Um, and um, so we've been getting, we've been getting really decent. And I hate to say this, right? Because the river gods or the weather gods hear this and you're <laughs> really in trouble. But, you know, last time I was up here, we got the section from, you know, like Carmax on and stuff, it was seven or eight days of rain, thunderstorms and lightning. And um, we've had a little bit of rain. We had one uh, thunder and lightning storm and it never quite came over the river. It kind of started moving in and then just kind of, you know, back, backed off, I guess. And um, so the weather's, uh, you know, you know, we, you get rain and we've set up tents a couple nights in the rain, that kind of stuff. But it's you know, it's what you expect from the Yukon, right? Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's been good weather. Um, the bugs are getting a little bit more numerous, but still not bad. And, well, when, uh, when you're on the fast moving more, water, right? Yeah. And when you're island camping, too, you know, you tend to get a lot more wind out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've been doing a lot of island camping lately. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, nothing to complain about there either. Yeah, I noticed uh, following you on your inReach there uh, off your web page here, yukonjourney.org, uh, going over to the tracking page you have. And yeah, yeah, seeing your little notes you're putting camping on an island, camping on an island, and that sort of thing. So yeah, if you get the, the wind coming through, it's really going to help cut down on the bugs. Yeah, it, it makes a huge difference, you know. And um, I think, you know, some people on the team kind of like being... I'm one of those guys that I love bears, and so I don't care if they're, you know, coming to the campsite too much. Um, but some of the people on the team, you know, that makes them a little bit more nervous, so they feel a little bit more comfortable um, on islands too. So, you know, they swim, um, right? So, yeah. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. 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 Bears swim. Well, you know, we we were we were uh, having uh, making coffee the other morning, and and Dan says, "What's that in the river?" 
and looked up and I said, oh yeah that's a that's a cow moose bringing her calf across <laughs> you know and, and uh, bringing it to the island and uh, you know it's just I mean we've seen a lot of uh, really uh, a lot of cow moose with uh, a lot of calves right now so that, that's kind of nice tis the season and all Mm-hmm. And you've seen, now I saw yeah. a couple of tags, there was a two grizzly day and then a three bear day. So yeah. you're definitely seeing yeah, the bears. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of, their, yeah, they're, they're still, um, they haven't moved up into the highlands yet, you know, up, uh, up to higher ground to feed. So they'll start doing that here pretty quick, but it's been nice, you know, and, and um, you know, just paddling along and you look over to the shore and, and there's a bear, you know, and it's just like, I, I, I love it. Just love it. Oh, it's nice to see. I mean, you're cruising around. You want to see the uh, the wildlife, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm trying to think what else this, this week. There's, it's been so much variety and so many different things going on. Um, forest fire. You know, we went through Five Finger Rapids. Oh, forest fire too, yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, we came up on the uh, forest fire either yesterday or the day before. Again, I'm just sort, they're sort of blending. <laughs> and um, watched a helicopter pilot come in and douse the flames with the river bucket. So he would come in, sit up, and it was it was up high, and would drop the water, then go swing around back to the river, fill up, go back up, drop, fill up, drop. And and watching him do this and the precision that, which these you know these uh, pilots were operating was really interesting to watch. Well, it's uh, definitely uh, takes some skill to do it. That's for sure. You know, as yeah. we've well, seen the you know, knowledge of. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. We we've seen the big planes doing that sort of thing, where they go down scoop and then they make that run over the fire and drop it. You know, it's definitely you got to mm -hmm. know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and knowing fire too, right? I mean, you know, at what point? It was interesting because when they left, you know, there was still smoke coming up and everything. And you're like, okay, well, what? at what percent is is that considered contained or you know how how do they make that determination of when to stop and such so right but, uh we we paddled down to an island and got out and and uh took some video of that going on so hopefully we'll have something uh decent to share with people later cool and you yeah. hit the confluence of the yukon and, and white, white river yeah yeah that's you know and that's such a unique place and so the white river comes in um, and it bling, brings in all of this glacial silt and really heavy silt load. So as you're paddling through the confluence, the water, that, that heavier water from the white is coming in down low as well. And so as you're paddling kind of on the far edge of the Yukon, these things they'll boil up. And so you're paddling along and all of a sudden you just get the silt bloom in front of you. Right. And um, it's, it's fascinating to see. And, but then it turns muddy, and it looks like um, paddling through a white Russian. It has that sort of <laughs> color as a white Russian. <laughs> and then it sounds like Alka-Seltzer because it's, as you, the silt is so heavy that as you're paddling, you can hear it hit your, hit your ball. And so it's, they got this shh, shh, shh as you're paddling. It's a, it's a really strange thing. Uh, you know, but it's it's cool. It's really cool. Now, are you getting the hang of the alum powder mixing it in for water? 
You know what? We haven't had to do that yet. We we filled up is like every empty container that we had, and we saved some some old water containers, um, so we wouldn't have to do that at least right away. So the alum will start the day after we leave Dawson. Right. Um, so um, so so far we haven't had to haven't had to deal with that yet. Well, unless you can fill up a ton it's of containers coming. in Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and trust me, we will. <laughs> so, I mean, you can you can yeah. always head down um, uh, to Diamond Tooth Gertie's. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the odds are pretty good that later tonight we'll be Diamond Tooth Gertie's. So you know, <laughs> it's possible. A little bit of can-can dancers and a couple of brews. And <laughs> That's right. Well, you know... We got in last night, right? And and we had some options when we got in. The first was to come in, you know, make meal and camp. You know, after we got every the tent set up and stuff, we got we had to haul the boats up. We're staying at uh, the West uh, Dawson Hostel, so it's on River Left, and the town is on River Right. Right. And um, so we get there, and, and Dieter, who owns the hostel, helped us out, like getting the boats, uh, one of the boats up, and a lot of the gear because. It's up this this hill, and and um, so we got up there, and we're like, okay, what do we do? Do we make dinner? You know, do we shower and clean up? We we do here, you know, and and basically what it came down to was, let's go into town and get some beer and real food, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know that was the that was the decision last night. Now. I, I will tell you this, we've had the conversation about uh, texting and communications out of Dawson in the evening. The awesome part last night was, as I was walking into town, my phone died. Oh. Battery died. So no so no midnight no texts? Way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up going back over to the uh, hostel at about 3 something in the morning and saw the most amazing sunset. Um, and we sat up and talked for about an hour once we got back there, and it was almost sunrise again. Cool. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we, we met the guy who, uh, from New, uh, Newfoundland, and we were talking with him and started talking about music, and he was telling us a story of how he went out for a, a night of drinking, and he wound up on uh, Alan Doyle uh, of Great Big Sea, wound up on his cabin floor. He had no idea how he got in there. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of story that comes up in Dawson a lot. <laughs> Just don't know how I got there. So, yeah. And uh, so tonight we're tonight we have to celebrate uh, Dan. You know uh, his time here, so we're going to take him out and and uh, there's kind of you know there's this great little place called Bombay Peggy's where kind of the locals go. And there's Diamond Tooth Gertie's, which is the dance hall, and then there's the pit, which is where you end up your evenings. So, oh, the uh, pit, we, yes. We're gonna have a busy night tonight. <laughs> you told us about the pit, I do believe, yeah. last time. Yes. Um, I think I may have mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you have somebody else flying in to join you. Yeah. Um, Chelsea is going to come in and join us um, on. Thursday, I think it is, and um, so she's going to fly in from Iowa, and um, she'll be coming in and uh, 
flying the white horse and then hopping uh, Air North flight from uh, White Horse up to here. And um, so she'll be able to kind of experience this too, you know. Um, you know, for all the jokes about, you know, like going out and, and, and honestly, I, I love this town and, you know, going out at night is, is one one part of that, but it's a cool old town. And mm -hmm. it's, so you got Parks Canada here and they've got like 27 buildings in town that they, you know, like are, are managing. And um, so you got this great history, you know, Jack Madden was here, Robert Service um, was here. They're, they're actually working on the bank where Robert Service worked right now, what? Um, which is kind of cool. So they're going to they're gonna fix that up. And so, you know, to be here, um, you say, well, on the one hand, okay, waiting for Canada Day takes you time off the river, but it's such a cool place. You know, mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got miners who are working here still. You've got, you know, the kind of the, the funky northern town vibe. You've got you know, arts and entertainment, and you've got tourists. And then you just mix it up in this big bowl, basically, um, at the foot of Moosehide Slap on the mountain. And it's, it's just magic. It's a cool place. And, you know, when you see a sunset like last night, you know, at 3.30 and then the sunrise a little bit after that, it's a you know, it's a pretty cool place. So I think Chelsea coming in is, I think she's going to love here. And then we'll hit, um, we'll stay here for Canada today, and then we'll go down to Eagle, Alaska um, for uh, U.S. Independence Day, uh, the 4th. So, you know, it's, it's um, it sounds like it should be a pretty, you know, pretty fun week um, to be here, but then also, uh, you know, like a week of paddling beyond that. Right. And, uh, yeah, lots of uh, distance to cover after that as well. No, we just, we have, we have a certain amount of, you know, we got to get, it's about a hundred miles over there. So we're, we'll uh, do a, the river slows down apparently. Um, it like speeds up out of here and then it, then it tapers off. So, um, but yeah, we're pretty confident we can get over there for the 4th of July celebrations. Well, that's cool. Well, we did, uh, what, 162 yeah. kilometers in 40 hours. So. <laughs> with no current with, with no current yeah wind in our face uphill both ways now yeah, that's right you had one big disaster last week uh, so it's yeah. it's not all yeah. rainbows and jelly um, beans no no um we had uh we were we're on the part of the Yukon uh after the White River and I, uh, I told uh, the others, I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ahead of you in this channel and turn around because we had the storm kind of moving in behind. But there was still a little bit of sun, so it was kind of dramatic. And I thought, oh, I want some video of them coming this way, you know. Paddled down, got the boat turned around, opened up the deck bag, pulled out the camera. And so I was pulling out the big camera that's like double dry bag. I clipped the edge of my GoPro and sent it tumbling into the water. <laughs> My, my new GoPro with the week's footage that I had not yet backed up off of it. Man. Splash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, yeah. That, that and sucks. I heard something splash and I thought, what was that? And I turned and I saw the top of the GoPro and I reached out as quick as I could because I still had, unfortunately, I had the, the big camera in my right hand. So I leaned over quick, tried to get it with the left hand and it went under and because the silt load is so heavy it was just gone immediately gone huh. and uh 
Yeah, yeah. Dad bites. Well, I'm still in mourning. I'm still <laughs> in the stages of grief over that because there were there's some there's some sweet footage on it from the confluence with the White River and uh, yeah. So I'm 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 grieving. Um, I <laughs> I I will go out tonight to help the grieving process. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, but uh, are you going to uh, add some flotation to the next GoPro? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Chelsea, <laughs> I ordered a new one. I was going to be bringing it in with her if it gets delivered in time, and uh, when, hopefully it will. And uh, I'm going to have to figure out something with it, though. Yeah, I have to figure out a way to, clip, you know, like a clip line or something. So just, and you know, the crazy thing is, I've got probably other things in that deck bag. You know, you know, got sunscreen. I, a sunglass case you've got a compass you've got you know just a couple of odds and ends right and it couldn't have been any of them you know <laughs> my lips <laughs> will be the brand new gopro <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've lost so, my yeah, lip so balm that was oh uh, that that bites man that really does yeah it does you know and and mostly i mean obviously the cash you know lost is it's a drag because it was like 500 bucks or something. Um, but just the footage losses, you know. Yeah, that's is, uh, that's huge, eh? That's huge loss. Yeah, so to, I'm gonna have to be a little bit uh, do that a little bit more religiously. And and we had had a big big wind uh, come in, and we were camping on sand on an island with sand, and we had so much sand blow into the tent as I was setting it up that. Um, I was going to back that stuff up the night before, and it was like, uh, I just don't think I should do it. You know, there's so much sand in here, and now I'm just kicking myself for not doing it. Yeah, you got you to gotta get in the habit of doing it. You know, doing all the photo yeah. stuff and that that I do, I've, I've done the same thing where you're just like, oh, something's gone wrong, and you've lost footage, or you've lost photos, or, yeah, you just got to get in the habit yeah. of doing it. Yeah, and you know, you get out at the end of the day here, and you know, it, it's kind of funny. It's like I don't know if I talked about this before with you guys or not, but it's I was thinking about this in kind of the terms of like it's like the circus coming to town because you you go into a new place, you you put up your tent. Um, we we have a bug shelter that we put up a couple of times, you know, so that's kind of like the big top. And you do all this stuff, and then the next morning you break everything down, and you go on to the next place, and you know it it, it you after the end of a long day you're a bit tired and, and um you know it's like no i just have to back that footage up you know no matter what yeah yeah unfortunately you got it because well you know what happens if you don't right you know exactly chance of losing so, um yep so yeah so we'll do that and but you know again it's it's uh i don't know what do you say right it's, yeah it's gone now it's it's, it's but it's um, we got more paddling ahead, so that's the important thing. Oh yeah, you got uh, a couple thousand kilometers to cover here, so you know, right? It'll yeah. be good for so, you. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that um, you should go out and have a couple of beverages and help ease your pain. I I think I shall. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but only because you told me to. <laughs> uh -oh. All right, you always got to listen to me. <laughs> Now it's been a it's been a good week. Uh, it's been another good week, is what I should say. It's you know it's it's beautiful up here, and and uh, we'll go out and celebrate, and we'll we'll say goodbye to Dan, and 
And uh, yeah, and then we'll probably take a lot of ibuprofen tomorrow morning. Awesome. <laughs> um, so org. you're raising yeah. money for first responders. And uh, just give everybody an update of what you're doing here. Yep. And, uh, you know, one thing is very cool. i got to tell you this. um, Chelsea uh, works in a a bar restaurant, and and, um, she was chatting on, I think it was the last day before she, you know, that she was working before she came up here, and was chatting with a group of people and telling them, yeah, it's my last day before, you know, just making chit-chat. And they, they were seemed really interested in the trip and they were really asking about it and you know good questions and what did what did first responders and you know and um we got a thousand dollar donation awesome. nice uh i asked yeah and it was from from one of these people and they just you know they they were just thought it was really cool what we're doing and so um yeah so somebody donated a thousand dollars and we've had a number of people who've been you know, donating anything, you know, 25 to 50, and, and we're just thrilled with all of it. I mean, you know, the, the more we can raise to help them uh, for everything they do for us, the, the happier we are. So, yeah. Um, so, hopefully, if, if someone's listening to this, um, you know, they'll uh, donate a few dollars if they can spare it, and um, it all goes to first responders. So, that would be great. Yeah, and there's a, the donate uh, part on your, your webpage. Yeah, people can do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've noticed as well, uh, Paddling Adventures Radio, you know, you get new people um, on Facebook, you know, such and such likes Paddling Adventures Radio. And some of them yeah. are EMS and firemen and stuff like that. Yeah. We've been getting over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So so apparently somebody's listening here and uh, definitely, uh, I guess they're liking what they're they're hearing. So... You know, we just keep on plugging away well, at this good. and boost you when we can. And uh, like I say, if people can go to yukonjourney.org and click the the donate button and click the track you button and see where you guys are. And uh, hopefully it uh, just keeps continuing. Yeah, yeah, uh, we hope so too. And, you know, if people are, we, we tell people we'd love you to do this, but they're uncomfortable or you want to help out people in, in your local area, by all means do that, you know. Um, search and rescue groups uh, locally if someone wants to donate please do that um or rural fire departments or you know there's just just you know the uh there's just so many groups that you can help so even if people choose not to donate to ours and uh, donate something locally that's yeah. awesome you know help, help out your own it. individual they people absolutely use it yeah yeah all righty well we'll let you go here and get on with your evening uh, okay. we're going to schedule, if not next week, because of the way things are working time-wise, hopefully mm-hmm. next week or the week after for sure, we can get in here for uh, update number five and, uh, see okay. how you made That's out on great. Canada Day and, uh, uh, Independence Day and, uh, hopefully you take enough ibuprofen between now and then. <laughs> 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 and yeah, no texting uh, the wife. <laughs> What's that? And no texting the wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm giving my phone to somebody else tonight. Yeah. Let, let me just say this, though. Here's the funny thing. This, this is kind of funny, and uh, then I'll, I'll let you guys go here. We were walking down to the river, and uh, and again, this is around 3 in the morning after closing time, 
and I was giving Dan Tourer. I've, I've been working on a, uh, a novel that takes place partly in Boston and partly in San Francisco around the time of the earthquake and fire and the gold rush. And so at about three o'clock in the morning, I was giving him a tour guide of events in my novel as we were walking through Dawson after close <laughs> last night. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a video that will never see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> or so he said. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Dan will be today. will be like, okay, it's your shout all night, mate, unless you want that video out. <laughs> <laughs> for for every drink you buy him, five minutes of the video yeah. disappears. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I tell you, Doss is a special place. Weird things happen here at night. So you know. But uh, yeah. That's awesome, man. You know what? It sounds like you guys are having a really good time so far. So I hope it continues and uh, over the next couple of weeks and we're able to keep hooking up here and uh, chat with you again. Sounds good. and We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hey, not a problem. You have a good time and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Take care. You too. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Well, Derek, that's it for another show. Uh, I think we know where we stand when it comes to cooking fires. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. We got that closer. You've got to try pizza over an open flame. We both got to try one of those solar ovens. Yeah. You buy one, I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's our show for this week. If you want to find out more about us, uh, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find all our previous episodes and this one on iTunes, on Google Play, and on our Paddling Adventures Radio episode page. All of them are there. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>